Hello, everybody. I don't know um, if you all know me, but if you don't, my name is Sarah, and I thought I'd give you a few interesting facts about myself in case you are uh, not familiar with me. The one is that I eat Kit Kats from the outside in, so the chocolates on all the sides, and then the wafer at the top, and the wafer at the bottom, and then only the middle part. Um, I believe that breakfast foods are the only thing that should be eaten at breakfast time, besides cupcakes, none of this pizza nonsense. And I know that that might make you not want to be my friend, but the redeeming factor in all of this is that I really, really love Jesus, and I cannot imagine my life without him. And that is why I'm so excited to share with you this morning. And we're going to be going through Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30. And if I can ask Lindsay to come up and read that for us, that would be amazing. Matthew 11, 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you so much, Lynn. <clears throat> Awesome. This is such a beautiful text because it takes us right to the heart of what Christianity is. So if you are not a follower of Jesus today, you're going to get a great look in on, on what Christianity actually is. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, you are going to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he offers. And in preparing this week, I I really got a sense that a lot of us here today are not embracing and living in all that Jesus has given us. So my prayer is that we would, by the end of today, have put off some false truths that have caused us to relate to Jesus in a way that actually doesn't allow us to experience the abundant freedom and lavish grace that he has poured out onto us freely. And this was a new experience for me in preparing as well, because my heart generally leans towards the sovereignty and power of God, and, and that's kind of the way that I relate to God mostly. And these are not untrue or bad things at all, but in studying this text, I was completely overwhelmed by the kindness of our Jesus Christ. I was often tempted to almost disclaim his kindness so that we don't forget about being obedient and we don't um, forget about the calling we've received. And, but I, I just really felt God pressing me into how beautiful and imperishable his rest is. We live out of an identity secured in complete freedom and lavish love. And our Jesus is gentle and he is so kind and so humble. So the title of today's message is Rest for Your Soul. We are going to be talking about spiritual rest and engaging with that and what it means. And we're going to do that in four points. So the first one is the call. 
Who does Jesus call to receive spiritual rest, rest for our souls? And then we're going to talk about the yoke. What is spiritual rest? And then the master, who gives that rest to us? And then the last point is the how. How do we get it? So the first one is the call, and we are going to look at verse 28 for that. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the immediate context here of who Jesus is speaking to are people that are being crushed by the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, just impossible standards that leave them continually working to be right with God, but they, it's, it's just so burdensome, and we just go a little bit further in Matthew to Matthew 23, verse 2 to 4, to see that. And Jesus says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe what they tell you but not the works they do, for they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move their finger. And Jesus is saying to them here, I'm not here to crush you. I'm not here to lay heavy burdens and impossible standards on you. I'm here to give you rest for your souls. And there's a wider application here that transcends the ages, right? Because we know that the Bible is timeless. And we see Jesus say, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, all who weary and are burdened, is another translation. And we see that Jesus zeroes in on the weary. He invites all who are weary and burdened to come to him. Not all who've got it together, not all who feel like they've got life under control. He invites those who are laboring through life, striving for things. He calls the burden, those that feel weighed down by situations out of their control that bring so much anxiety and despair and fear. And I don't think it's too difficult for us to think of things in life that we strive for. Either we strive to be things, or we strive to get things. The same goes for burdens. We are experiencing anxiety. It feels like at levels never experienced before. And some of you might be facing situations that are totally out of your control and seem hopeless. And Jesus says, come with your burdens, lay down your striving, and I will give you rest for your soul. And if you're not a believer, this is good news. If you are weary, if you are not completely satisfied, completely at rest, Jesus wants to offer you rest today. But maybe you sit in here as a Christian and you are thinking this inner rest is not something that you actually feel. And I think as believers, we often miss something critical here. We have this kind of distorted idea that Jesus' grace and love is not all-encompassing. And it's not that we would say that, but we subconsciously uh, sometimes compartmentalize areas of our lives. We, We decide that God's grace covers this sufficiently and he loves us completely here and we rest in those areas. And then we have other segments that we don't necessarily treat the same way. So there's the eternal life segment and that's kind of the I'm going to heaven one. 
and we know that we couldn't do that by ourselves, that Jesus saved us from that, and we kind of rest in the fact that we will have eternal life because of Jesus. And then there's the pre-Jesus sins. When God saved me, he set me free from those, and I accept that, that's, that's kind of part of my past. And then we have big categories that we know we can't handle on our own, like the death of a loved one. We will seek God's rest and just love and comfort in that, and then also big decisions that we don't want to make on our own. But then we have these insignificant segments, the ones that Jesus doesn't concern himself with too much. And these are the things we struggle with that we think we should just fly solo on. It can be an insecurity you feel. Um, Maybe it's something you just feel is silly. It's something that as a normal human being, you should be able to just get it right, get it under control. You should be a certain way or just have something handled. It can be um, conflict. Uh, that you experience with someone that you kind of just, it's not something you bring to Jesus, it's just a stupid thing between two people. It can be an eating addiction that you just don't have a, a good relationship with food and that's kind of something that you need to get under control by yourself um, and Jesus doesn't kind of permeate that area. Um, we have this pride that we should be able to do it on our own And Galatians 3 verse 3 speaks beautifully to this. Paul says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And surprise, surprise, these areas that we talk about, the insignificant ones, are where we find ourselves striving in our own strength, feeling discontent and restless. So what are the things in your life right now that you are not satisfied with, anything. It can feel silly and small and irrelevant, but as a child of God, Jesus has offered you rest for your soul, complete rest for your your entire being, and he is deeply concerned with the details of your life. So take those things to him that you feel you should be able to do yourself. The thing is, God is not happier with us when we distance ourselves from him to try and sort out our sin on our own. We have this idea that we'll go to him once we've kind of got it under control. Literally, the invitation here, the invitation of rest is addressed to the burdened. It is what qualifies you to receive the call, come to me, is the fact that you are weary and burdened, however insignificant those things might feel. Jesus calls all who labor and are heavy laden, and that is all of us. The second thing is the yoke, and we're going to look at verse 29 and 30. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So we know that he calls all the weary and burdened to come to him, and that's the qualification, right? So then we need to ask, well, what does this rest look like? And Jesus says, well, you're going to need to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you need to let me be the master of your life. You need to let me dominate every aspect of your life. 
Does everyone know what a yoke is? Yes, no. <laughs> There's like half-half. I didn't really know like a proper description. I just knew it's something heavy. But it's basically a wooden cross piece that is fastened to the necks of very strong animals. And it's attached to a plow or a cart or something heavy that they need to then pull to plow a field or whatever else it might be used for. I'm not so sure. <laughs> Um, but basically, you attach, they attach you to something, the yoke attaches you to something that you have to drag, and it's very heavy. So basically, it doesn't sound like a fun time. It's kind of the opposite of what we want. We want freedom. We want financial freedom to do whatever we want. We want locational freedom to go wherever we want. We want relational freedom. We don't want people to take too much from us. We want freedom to the umpteenth degree. The examples are endless, but freedom is what we seek. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, our human hearts aren't exactly rushing to get in line, right? But what Jesus is saying here is not be yoked. That kind of sounds like a new Christian slang word, like be yoked. <laughs> you heard it here first, I'm just saying. Um, but he's not saying, take a yoke upon you. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. And the implication is that whether you like it or not, whether you are a Christian or not, you are yoked to something. Something masters your life. And to figure out what that is, you'd need to ask yourself, what do you live for? What is the most important thing in the world to you? It could be your family, and it could be career. It could be your wife, your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Maybe it's your kids. It can so easily become your kids. Or maybe the most important thing in the world to you is just being a good person, morality. That's what you live for. And whatever it is that you live for, you are yoked to. You are controlled by that thing because it drives everything that you do. No matter who you are, every person in this world's soul depends on something. The only real question is whether your soul's dependence is secure. Because if it's anything that we just mentioned above, all of those things can fail you and they can be taken away from you. There is only one thing that your soul can depend on that is totally unshakable and secure, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you choose the yoke of Jesus, and remember, you have to choose a yoke, he will give you rest for your soul that nothing and no one can take away. His yoke is restful, and it is easy and light. And when do we feel the most free? This, this isn't actually complicated when we start to get our heads entered. We feel the most free when we are at rest. We want, when we want for nothing, when we are free from expectations and pride and anxiety and burdens. And Jesus promises that his yoke gives us rest at our core. Spiritual rest, rest that even when the whole world is crashing down in chaos, 
We are at peace in our hearts and we serve a deeply loving, completely present and compassionate God. That is rest for your soul. I'm wondering if I should share that. Um, yeah, I, I think a, quite a cool example of this is uh, quite a while ago, I was, the last time I preached, I was sharing on my boyfriend Peter Dirk's uh, citizenship and the fact that he'd been waiting for it, or well, we had been waiting for it for two years, and um, only to find out that the application got lost. So we were essentially waiting for nothing. And that's kind of like a, a soul-crushing feeling, and your heart really drops. And I was just thinking about if that was something that either of us depended on, if that's what mattered the most in our lives, we would be totally crushed. Because if it makes the relationship not possible, if it makes citizenship not possible, then there's nothing really left. It fails you and you can't depend on it. But because we rest in Jesus, we can trust that we'll be literally okay no matter what, no matter what any outcome is, we'll be fine. And um, I'll share with you guys today that he submitted a new application and he received it in three months. He is a citizen. So, but the, the point, <laughs> and praise the Lord for that, the point I wanna make there is the God who was in the waiting there and the God who came through is the same God. And the rest that we experienced in that waiting and in that unknown is the same rest we experience now. It's not different, it's not increased, because still, whatever happens, our rest is in Jesus. And Christians, then I want us to note the learn from me part. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We are disciples and we are being discipled by Jesus. This is a process. And our human hearts often take on burdens and are mastered by things that Jesus has already given us rest from. And I wanna challenge us to examine our hearts and ask what are we still striving for? And what are the things you are doing to try and prove your worth? They can feel small and silly, but what are the things you are trying to do to prove your worth? Rest in the truth that you are completely worthy, loved, and fully accepted in Christ. You can stop striving and you can start resting live in the rest that God has already given you. So, we know that rest for our souls means taking on Jesus' yoke. It's gonna be a pop quiz at the end, so I hope you guys are sticking with it and can help me out. The third thing is the master. So, who is this Jesus? Who tells us if we make him master of our lives, if we let him dominate every aspect of who we are, that he will give us rest for our souls? And here's the part that absolutely baffles me. Jesus says that if we want rest, we need him to be our master. And then he, Jesus, king of the world, maker of heaven and earth, all powerful and all sovereign God. He is self-sufficient and depends on nothing. That Jesus gives us a why, why we should do that. 
And he doesn't just say, well, if you want the rest, you know, take it or leave it. This is what's on offer. This is the truth. And I think parents know more than anyone. A child asking you why all the time when they, they don't really need to know the answer. You've got the bigger picture. It's important. I'm sure we've all experienced that in some capacity. You, <laughs> you kind of just like, trust me, because I said so, this is the best way, you know? And Jesus doesn't do that. He is so kind. He knows how much we like to be in control, or at least think we are in control. And he knows that we do not have very good experiences with masters. Every human leader given power in history has somehow abused others for their own selfish gain, right? So, and they, they only have like a small piece of control over our lives, not the entire part. And Jesus is just asking for everything. He's asking that he, we take his yoke upon him and he dominates every aspect. So naturally, taking on a master is scary to us and Jesus knows that. So he is kind and compassionate enough to meet us in our fear and he tells us what kind of master he is. When you read the Gospels, it gives you a great idea of the kind of character that Jesus has. <clears throat> but there is only one place, and it's this little verse where Jesus himself speaks to the character of his heart. And he could have said so many things because he is so many things, and his heart and character is everything that is perfect. But he uses two words. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's the God that's asking to be your master. Another translation says, gentle and humble in heart. King Jesus, savior of the world, is gentle and lowly in heart. And my question is, do we really see Jesus this way? Do we really relate to him truly, the way that we pray and the way that we think about him? Do we see him as gentle and lowly, gentle and humble? And I'm not so sure that we do. I think that when we start, start to examine the way that we look um, and think about him, the way that we pray, we are far more prone to see a God whose love for us is infected with disappointment. It's kind of that thing of he loves us and his grace has covered us, but he just, he just can't believe that we've messed up again. And it makes sense that we think this way because that's the way that we love, right? Especially those really close to us or our um, family. We know that they love us and we know that we love them. But when they fail us, we're disappointed. And they know that. And we often make it very known to them. But Jesus' love is not infected with disappointment. He meets you with perfect gentleness and perfect humility, absolutely perfect love, and embraces you fully every single time. He is never, as a follower of God, he is never, ever disappointed with you. And if you don't know Jesus, then 
he wants you to know that he is gentle and lowly, which means that he is accessible to you just as you are, and you can trust him like nothing else. He desires you. Crazy. Gentle and lowly is our Jesus. And we are not the only ones who think like this. John the Baptist, also, he was kind of like looking for a Jesus who, um, well, he baptized Jesus, we see in chapter three. And then at the beginning of this chapter, 11, um, John's in prison and he sends his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? We can't get into it like a lot now, but are you the Messiah or should we expect someone else? And he's already baptized Jesus. And this is the question that he's asking because Jesus is not who he expected. As a Jewish man who was waiting for, he kind of, I think Riley described it to me as, John preached like a kind of turn and burn gospel. So he was waiting for this incredibly powerful, um, the Jews were all waiting for this powerful God who would set them free from oppression. And John's in prison and they are still being oppressed by the Roman Empire, so they are surprised by Jesus. And just later on in the chapter, how does Jesus describe himself? Not at all what one would expect, but gentle and lowly. I really feel like there's something specific there for the men here today. And Jesus Jesus was a perfect man, and he is the perfect picture of masculinity. And I would like to challenge you guys that in your relationships with one another, I'm talking man to man, are you allowing the space for your fellow brothers to be gently and humbly discipled? Do you feel like you are creating space for that type of vulnerability? And I really got the sense that there are men in this room today who need help and discipleship from other men, brothers who can walk a road with you. I feel like there are some crippling insecurities in, in some of you, deep father hurts and burdens that you are carrying on your shoulders that you feel it's just your job as a man to suck it up and carry them because everybody else is. You feel alone in it. And if there are men like that here, Jesus really wants you to be released from those lies and start leaning on your brothers and on him. So I just want to ask you guys just two questions to maybe think about in, in your relationships with one another. Are you creating the space for this to happen? for gentle and lowliness to be something that people receive. And the second thing is, what are the things that you've told yourself that are kind of just a solo journey? Things that you, you don't feel are things that you can ask for help with because they make you look uh, weak and vulnerable. And it is a super vulnerable place to be, but I think there's something incredible about the fact that Jesus comes in perfectly masculine so unexpected, and when he reveals his heart to us, he says, I am gentle and lowly. The enemy loves to use pride in all sorts of destructive ways, and I think in this circumstance, he's using it to keep you from vulnerability that will surround you with community and really set you free. Our Jesus is gentle and lowly.
Now we're on to the how. So we're going to do a little pop quiz. <laughs> I don't have any chocolates. I'm sorry. I see there's some chewing gums down here, um, if you guys really want. But, okay, so who needs spiritual rest? Does anyone want to answer that for us? You put your hand up, Robin. <laughs> what did you say? Everyone. Okay, awesome. And who is everyone in the scripture? Or what does Jesus say? Weary and burden. Nice. Love it. Thanks, Robin. And then what is, <laughs> what is spiritual rest? What does it mean? Anybody? I can see some discussions. Sorry? Yes. Thank you, Clive. Um, being yoked to Jesus. And what is his yoke? What do we know about it? Light and easy. Nice. And then who gives that rest to us in that yoke? That's the easy one. Come on, Tom. <laughs> and what is Jesus like? How does he receive us? Gentle and lowly. Just so cool. <clears throat> so we know who needs it, we know what it is, and we know who gives it to us. So how do we get it? Let's find out. Verse 25 and 26. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus is praising the Father here, delighting in the fact that he shatters through our human default of trusting blessings to the highly esteemed. He says, thank you to revealing yourself to little children. Again, it's just so upside down to the world, so not what we would expect. And little children here doesn't mean actual little children. Um, little children is often a way that Jesus uses to refer to Christians and believers. <clears throat> he says things like, we should have faith like little children, right? So he's talking about believers here. So if we are here to hear Jesus' call and receive this rest, we are to become like little children. So what does that look like? Well, Tim, Tim Keller gives some really cool two ways that we should be like little children in character in our relationship with Jesus. And the first is, little children know that they are helpless. If they are tired or they are hungry, if they are scared, anything like that, they will run to their parents. They will call for anything that they need. Literally, their survival depends on somebody else and they know it. So the first thing we need to do is put away our pride and acknowledge that we are totally helpless like little children. We need to admit that we can do nothing by ourselves and make ourselves vulnerable to the Father. And we know that we can trust Him. He's going to welcome us gently, not with like crazy, intense wrath. He welcomes us with absolute love. And I think a lot of us get this part. A lot of us accept that we are rotten and broken and filled with bad stuff and we just need help. And uh, we love that quote, which is a brilliant quote. And it's really something that, um, yeah, 
helplessness is very important in, in this equation. Um, and we believe that the, sorry, let me go back to the quote. The only thing that makes uh, something like, the only thing that makes uh, salvation necessary is the sin, or the only thing we bring to the table of salvation is the sin that made it necessary. There we go. I really should have written it somewhere here. Um, and we kind of get that part, but then the second part and I really feel like this is what we need to open our hearts to and receive Jesus for who he truly is because there's something tainted here that we haven't understood. The second part is that little children know that they are loved without a doubt. Um, we were at Mandy and Nathan's the other day and Nathan shared such a funny story that was so, so apt. And we were talking about uh, little Ruth, their baby girl's sleeping patterns or the lack thereof. Basically, they spend a lot of the night awake. <laughs> and he said, you sometimes wake up in the morning and you're so exhausted, you've got a full day ahead of you, and you're a little bit annoyed like at this baby that has made your day like a lot more difficult now. But you go to her, they go to her in the morning, and she's lying there so happy, just like ready to be picked up with this beautiful smile, just absolutely no concern with whether her love depended on like, how she treated her parents or <laughs> not that she knows, but you know what I mean? There's just this knowing of love. They, if they mess up, they don't think that you no longer love them. And we need to become like little children. We need to know that Jesus loves you. And I really believe that there's a lot of us here today that the root of our unrest is a belief that Jesus does not love you fully. There's a subtle thing that you feel your obedience increases God's love for you. So when you're doing well, he, he actually sees you better. But you can't maintain that so that when you fail, you feel like he loves you less. And the thing is, that rest comes from knowing you are completely loved. Jesus loves you when he, he loves you at like full capacity, consistently. There's, there's nothing left for him to experience in love for you. It's just constant. It doesn't waver. You are completely sealed in him. There's nothing you can do to increase his love for you and nothing you can do to decrease his love for you. He absolutely adores you. Everything that makes you feel unworthy of his love and makes his eyes fixate on you with compassion um, yeah, that unworthiness makes his eyes fixate on you and his gentle and humble heart says, come to me. I will give you rest for your soul, rest eternal, rest that cannot be taken away by any situation or sin. So we need to examine our hearts and know that we are surrendering everything that there aren't specific statements in our lives that God's grace doesn't cover and receive that. So we know that how do we get it? We become like little children. We need to know that we are helpless and that Jesus loves us. And I really want to create the space this morning because I feel like a lot of us are burdened. And there might be things that literally just feel silly that you haven't brought to God. 
and they feel like things that are not necessary for um, him to concern himself with, and yet what he's saying is, come to me helpless, and you are fully loved. So we're going to do, um, we're going to have a response moment um, in just a, a moment or two, where there will be people up here to pray for you. And we're not super familiar with this as one hope, right? So it's not really our thing. Um, but I just felt so reminded of the fact that um, praying with people, Jesus says when two or more uh, are gathered, it's, it's, it's an incredibly good thing. And this is an opportunity to pray with someone, to exercise some of that vulnerability um, to help, uh, help with your burdens that you might have. And... These are not things you have to figure out alone. And I feel like there are people that are striving. There are people that are just feeling restless and anxious. And I think anxiety is kind of like the top symptom, but at the root of that, there's other things going on that you need to surrender. You might even not know what that is, but if you are feeling anxious, that is not restful. That is something that God wants to take from you and give you complete rest. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to have a song, of uh, a worship song, and you can come up. There will be people here to pray for you, any burden that you might be feeling. If you want prayer for absolutely anything, um, and if you don't feel uh, comfortable to do that or you don't want to do that, uh, then you can just respond in your own heart um, to Jesus as we sing the song. And after that, uh, we will do a communion. But if you do come up for prayer, you will not be rushed. That's not going to be led from up here. People are going to do it in small groups. So I'll just pray for us and then if you guys can that song. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are gentle. Thank you, Father, that when you receive us, you don't receive us and, and not embrace us because we are too dirty or um, fa have failed too many times. Lord, you receive us with complete love every single time because all you see is your blood. You just see perfect you just see righteous, you just see holy, you just see a new creation every time, Father God. And we thank you for that. Thank you that you meet us gently, that you meet us humbly, that that is the kind of Jesus that we serve, Lord, that when we seek to be obedient, we are living from the heart of Christ, not for it. We're living from your grace, from your love, and not for it, not to get it. Lord Jesus, I just pray for the burdens that I, I know are in this room. Burdens, weariness, things that people feel are just for them to deal with alone, Lord, and I ask that you come and bring your truth here that you cover over all those things, Lord, and that your desire for us is to experience complete rest, which you have already given us. I ask that you, you make hearts brave and bold to, to respond to you in things that they don't want to give up, that we don't want to give up. Um, we ask for real breakthrough this morning, Lord, as you've spoken. Amen.